Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you to whoever you are listening to this. Before we start, just to remind you that we do this podcast two, three times a week. But we don't always know which days it's going to be on, so there's only one way to know, and that is to subscribe and get notifications. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Right, enough about that. Let's talk some rugby. Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm Ben James. I'm joined by Matt Southcombe, the other side of Cardiff, I believe. <laughs> yeah, we are on opposite sides of Cardiff, uh, working from home now, of course, uh, as everybody on the sports desk is, so interesting times. Indeed. Has cabin fever set in for you yet? <laughs> Not quite, no, but my uh, my girlfriend's working from home as well and we live in a one-bedroom flat, so it's it's a bit tight at the moment, um, but we're getting through it. We've... Um, Done a good job on the old um, lockdown snacks. Um, we have to venture out before long uh, to start stocking up again. Uh, but yeah, going all right so far. Um, still lots to talk about. So indeed, I mean, there's 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 a lot to talk about, even though there's no sport. Because obviously, uh, this coronavirus has had a massive impact on the sporting calendar. So I guess we'll, we'll start on that. Um, we don't know when sports going to come back. It is the reality of it, do we? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of, you know, obviously everything we discuss at the moment is in context, but let's just stick to the sport for the time being. Um, yeah, it's it's causing chaos across the board, really, isn't it? Um, football, rugby, all sports are, uh, are put on ice at the moment. And, you know, every sport is going to have its own individual sort of uh, fixture chaos that they're going to have to deal with uh, when this this does eventually um, relent a little bit um, and we get a clearer picture of where we stand um, in terms of the health, you know, the, the public health guidance and, you know, whether this coronavirus is going to let up at all. Um, but, you know, there's, there's going to be some big decisions to be made. And, you know, um, a couple of weeks ago, we were all, you know, just talking about one or two Six Nations games being called off. And now all of a sudden, every, all the leagues across across Europe are, are off. So, you know, that's going to bring with it all, all manner of crisis. And, you know, we'll talk a lot about how that relates to Wales uh, in the next sort of half hour or so, but you know it's chaos across the board at the moment. Do you suppose let let's start with Wales because that was the first real sort of cancellation, wasn't it? Wales Scotland and, and that nearly went ahead, and probably in hindsight it, it would have been incredibly responsive. It had you know you look at the government sort of saying that they'd maybe got their sort of policy wrong over those sort of three days, so it, it's incredible it nearly went ahead. They're meant to go to New Zealand in the summer. Is that likely to happen? Because I think the, the noises last night were the New Zealanders still preparing for it. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, if you look at people like, for example, in the Prem- or sorry, the Gallagher Premiership are only banned up for the next five weeks. Um, Pro 14 is indefinite at the moment. Um, but I think leagues are generally looking um, towards that sort of end of April mark uh, at the moment. And that's what we're working to. You know, as it stands, Wales's tour is obviously not for a couple of months after that. So, you know, until until advice changes, um, I think everybody's hopeful that you know maybe this will start to to relent a little bit by then. Um, so I guess you know the noises coming out of New Zealand are that they're still preparing for that. I haven't heard anything to the contrary from the Welsh side, um, and I guess that's all the two teams can do at this stage is just to continue to prepare. You know, as normal as it was, you know, I mean, the players are back with their regions now, but in terms of a planning side of things from the WRU, um, they're going to have to prepare for this as if it's going to go ahead um, until they're told otherwise. 
obviously you said you know about players at the regions the regions are obviously going to be affected massively aren't they financially I think I don't know what the exact numbers were but you're probably looking at maybe they they lose out on probably about a million pounds yeah. over the course to the end of the season yeah I know we'll come on to in a bit you know what what the league is going to do um but you know even in the medium term the regions are going to be hitting their pockets massively i did a piece on tuesday about how they're going to be affected by this so all four of the regions have got at least three games left uh in the guinness three home games left in the guinness pro 14 um at the moment uh included in that is one home welsh derby across the board and of course, Judgment Day as well. Scarlets and the Ospreys are the home teams for Judgment Day, which means they would take home 80% uh, of the ticket revenue from that game, uh, which is obviously a nice little boost uh, to their coffers. Looking at the Scarlets' accounts, uh, most recent accounts for last year, um, a home game on average was worth £77,000 to the Scarlets. That's tickets and all other match day revenue. Uh, when, when you add it all up and you consider all the games um, that the regions have got left to play and, you know, taking into account for the fact that the Dragons probably get a substantially lower gate than the other regions as well, this is going to be worth the last sort of six weeks, seven weeks um, of the season or a little bit longer than that. These games are going to be worth over more than a million pound um, to the Welsh regions. Now, you know, we're talking about businesses here that struggle to turn a profit. You know, the Scarlets saying in their in their um, in their finances that they 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 believe they were one of only two rugby teams across Europe to post a profit in the last financial year. So that tells you how tight money is at these regions. You know, every pound and penny does really count. So if you're going to suddenly take away, you know, that that amount of money, we're looking at over a million pound to the four Welsh regions that's going to blow an absolute financial hole uh, in their sides. So, you know, we've already seen, and then if we talk about as well, the, the sponsors, you know, sponsors will pay a package. Um, you know, they expect their brand to be exposed to TV cameras and, and the media and to, you know, the general public a certain amount of times per year. You know, Premier Sports are paying £10 million a year for the rights to, to show 152 live uh, Guinness Pro 14 matches. If they don't get 152 live Guinness Pro 14 matches, what happens to the money that they put in? Um, you know, there's already there's already whispers over in England of players having to take, you know, preparing to take pay cuts and things like that. You know, we haven't heard anything like that in Wales at the moment. But if you're a business and you're losing, you know, let's say 250, 300 grand at the moment that you were expecting to get in the next few weeks, then that, you know, you you don't plan for that. So. You know, it's a tough time at the moment for the regions. And as we said, best case scenario is that that money is only a delayed in coming in. So, you know, perhaps for the next few weeks, they might have to do without. But eventually, hopefully that money does come in and we do complete the season. You know, worst case scenario, as I think we'll come on to now, is the prospect of them, you know, just cutting the season off now and coming back in September. I was say, you know, the regions obviously want these games to be played, but maybe the key thing for for the Pro 14, unlike the Gallagher Premiership, is is there's no relegation stake. So it, it could be easier for them to sort of postpone the league, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there was already talk of legal action very quickly in the English football leagues um, when it became apparent that there was a chance, you know, or it was being discussed that these games might 
just be called off and we'll come back next year. You know, obviously, promotion and relegation to, you know, promotion to the Premier League is huge for, for championship clubs financially. Um, so, you know, there was talk of legal action there. Promotion, relegation in the Gallagher Premiership, you know, things like that. Um, Pro 14 doesn't have that. So if any league was to turn around now and say, right, let's let's stop there. We can't get these fixtures in. We'll come back next year. Then it could be the Pro 14. Um, they don't have promotion and relegation. They don't have any sort of legal ramifications that could come with that. Um, so if any league is in a position to totally declare the season finished now, it would be the Guinness Pro 14. Now that is unpalatable to a lot of people. There's a lot of money involved here, as we've already discussed and outlined. The regions um, will be keen to get these games on for the financial points that I've just out outlined to you now. Um, same goes for sponsors and broadcasters. So, you know, the league will want to get these fixtures on, but if they can't, the Pro 14 are probably the one league, um, if we're looking across the top leagues in Europe, that are in a position to just cancel the season now and come back in September or August. I suppose the one legal ramification, though, um, is European qualification, because you know that is done on meritocracy in the in the Pro 14 as it is with the other leagues. What would you do then if if you null and void the Pro 14 season, but the you know what happens to European qualification? Also, what happens to the European season this year? Because of you know whether the Pro 14 do their own thing there, the Scarlets and the Dragons both have European quarterfinals, which you know, will mean a lot to them as a region and also financially. Yeah, exactly. You know, they get, they'll get a percentage of the, t of the gate um, for their quarterfinals. I don't know how much that is, but they are in, in line to get some of that. Um, so they'll want to get these, these games on as well. But again, you know, it's a knockout competition. You know, it's very easy for them to call that off as well. You know, given everything that's going on around the world, given particularly how important the league will be to the French clubs and the English clubs, you know, their priority will be to get their leagues finished because of the promotion and relegation sort of ramifications we've just touched on. Um, so they will prioritise their leagues. I've no doubt about that. Um, you know, but from a Scarlets and Dragons point of view, you know, it's it's a nice it's nice for them to be in this position given the way the seasons have gone for them. In the you know, particularly in the league, they have been great. Dragons have been resurgent, but the Scarlets haven't been great. You know, Dragons back in in a knockout game in Europe again. Scarlet again in knockout rugby. It's, it, these are great occasions for fans, aren't they? But you know, again, unfortunately, it, it would be very easy for tournament organisers to say, you know, we're going to have to take this one on the chin. But they remain optimistic in in their statement. They they remain sort of upbeat about the prospects of playing these games. But if you if you look at the calendar, like you said, the summer tours are still all in the books. You know, when are all these games going to get played? It's really difficult to to see a way through all this at the moment. This is something, obviously, you know, you look at sort of football situation. Football can always do, you know, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. Rugby simply can't just because of the physical, you know, the physical nature of the game. Yeah, I mean, you come into the whole player welfare um, discussion, which. You know, it is a really important debate to be having, but at the moment, you know, it's difficult to to look at that given everything that's going on right now. You know, it's kind of like, well, we're going to have to try and make make the best of this. You know, I remember having a chat with somebody from the Welsh Rugby Union about the fact that Wales 
if October 31st is this date where they're going to have the Six Nations Super Saturday, Wales then face five test matches in, in five consecutive weeks. Now, if they do that, fine. But if you look at Wales's autumn schedule, I think they've got Fiji first, New Zealand, Argentina, and then the world champions. And then after, after, so the South Africa game doesn't count, but after the Argentina game, the world rankings are going to come into effect, are going to be looked at, and the seedings for the fall, for the next World Cup will be decided. So that that run of games is going to be crucial for Wales because they're right on that edge now of of you know the eighth world ranking, and if you drop any lower than that, you're in the third pot, and you end up with a pool like you did in 2015. Um, so you know. There, but that was again that was dismissed a little bit at the time because it's like well you know player welfare will be an issue when we get there right now we need to solve the, the absolute carnage that's unfolding in terms of the fixture list so you know but to come back to your point rugby can't go Friday Saturday sorry Wednesday Saturday Wednesday Saturday it's just you can't do that in a sport like rugby I suppose you touched upon the, the whole world ranking thing that's meant to be decided at the end of this year it's probably well down on the sort of list of priorities, but you'd imagine World Rugby would have considered maybe extending that window, just given this is a completely unprecedented you know, scenario we're living in right now. Possibly, but I think they might also take the view of, you know, if teams get all their fixtures in, then as far as they're concerned, that box will be ticked. Um, you know, the draw is due to happen you know, scheduled to happen. I think it's November, no December, is it, in Paris? Um, so, as long as all the teams get their scheduled fixtures in, regardless of in what order, or you know whether we Wales or other teams have to play five Test matches in a row, um, they, I think that box will be ticked, and they'll just take it as it comes. I don't. I'm not sure they will see much merit in delaying it unless teams, unless, for example, the summer tour gets cancelled. Um, then I think there will be a, a question to be asked about it, but we'll have to wait and see on that. We've talked a lot about the financial side and, and sort of the admin side, but at the end of the day, this, this is about the human side, isn't it? You know, um, ourselves are being sort of advised to, to work from home, so we are. Um, and, and as players, they're being advised to do something similar. So how, how are they coping with it? Yeah, so the the um, the dragons and the scarlets were were actually in in training. I think it was on Monday, um, because at that point the um, the champions and challenge cup was still going ahead. Well, it might have been the end of last week. I can't remember now. Um, but they have all been told to go home now. Um, the blues and the and the ospreys players are all you know working from home, so to speak, like the rest of us. Um, you know, some of the players are fortunate enough to have facilities in their home or or in their garage to, to continue training to a certain degree. You know, you can go out to the local park or lo- local rugby club and do your runs and your shuttles and whatever. Um, I think this talk that the Cardiff Blues um, have actually dished out their GPS units for their players. So they're still being kept an eye on to see how much work they're doing. Um, or it was one, I'm sure it was the Blues. It was one of the regions anyway. Um you know, the Blues as well, I've seen were basically told all their players to come in and take the gym equipment out of the gym and take it home with them, whatever they could. Um, so players are coming in and getting all the benches and all the weights and taking them back to their houses. And, you know, I've seen a few gyms around Cardiff doing something similar for the general public as well, which I think is great. 
Um, so the players are, are managing. Um, they're not in in camp or in training at all. Uh, they're all working on individual basis, um, but they are all you know basically getting getting by. But at the end of the day, it's difficult for players. I think it'd be difficult for them mentally as well because when you're speaking to James Hook at our live podcast recording the other week, and um, he was saying you know it's going to be like a little preseason, which is which is weird at this time of year. Obviously, you know. Uh, players are used to that week. We, you know, week after week, we've got a game every Saturday, every Friday, um, and that focuses the mind. You know, nobody knows when this is going to end. Nobody can tell any any of the players. You know, I had a text off off someone in Welsh rugby earlier in the week saying, "No one knows what's going to happen," and it's really strange at the moment. Um, so they're just being told to keep training, uh, but. You know, there's no end in sight. There's no game, and you know the reason they put all this hard work in players is because they get that game on the Saturday. Without that game to focus on, it's really difficult, I think, to to keep focusing your mind and uh, and just going into, <laughs> I would say, going into training. But you're going into your garage to to lift weights or, or going out for a run. You know, it's tough. And these guys as well, they operate in team environments. They used to being surrounded by by their mates by, you know, probably 40-odd members of staff, including players and backroom staff. Now, all of a sudden, they're working from home, so on their own as well, in isolation. So I think that'll be tough as well. But, you know, I guess they're managing and they're going to have to be ready when the time comes that that they can get back out on the field. Because I suppose athletes in particular, they work on patterns and repetition, don't they? They know when the season starts, they know when the season ends, and, and that's something that they've probably lived with most of their lives so this this is alien for them certainly um, obviously we've talked about the professional game but it, it the grassroots game is, is going to be affected massively because I suppose they're going to get hit even more so financially aren't they yeah I mean the, all the financial problems we've spoken about with the professional game and the figures that we've discussed and all the rest of it it's all relative so that that sort of impact will be felt by the grassroots clubs. Obviously, the figures won't be as high, but you know neither is the revenue that those clubs generate or need to survive. Um, so it's a real worry, and you know probably more so the advice coming from the UK government in terms of avoiding uh, pubs and bars and things like that. I think if you speak to most Welsh rugby clubs across the country, that you know Saturday is, is a big day for them because of the money they take over the bar. You know, if a rugby club. The, the bar is probably the most important thing in a rugby club because that's where most of their revenue comes from. Um, if if that isn't earning them any money, then that's a real problem for a lot of clubs. Um, and again, they they don't factor this into their sort of financial situation throughout the year. So right now, clubs will have been expecting to be taking money every Saturday and every well, some clubs every night throughout the week. Suddenly, that's not happening, and they weren't ready for it. Um, they, you know, money wasn't put aside to prepare for this period of time where nobody's coming through the door, um, and that's a real worry. You know, they're like in that sense, they're like any other small business that's struggling at the moment um, or facing uncertain times. Um, again, you know, like you said, you don't turn a profit in Welsh professional rugby very often, um, and clubs down the lower leagues, you know, they do operate right on that line sometimes a lot of the time at the best of times these clubs are just trying to survive um you know so to have this now is is a real real worry um i know the wiu i think we'll come on to their statement shortly but in that they've pledged a thousand pounds to every club um that needs it you know that's great but a thousand pound ain't going to go very far uh, in real terms 
Um, so these are concerning times um, across the board in Welsh rugby, not just the professional game, but the uh, the amateur game as well. You, you touched upon the statement, so let, let's come on to it. I think, yeah, the union, they pledged £1,000 in additional funding to each club. Um, grants will be paid at the end of April as normal, plus there's um, emergency funding for high-priority cases. This is... It's the first in a sort of new weekly update from the union. So given the fast-moving nature of of this situation, by next week's update, all all that could change, couldn't it? You know, the union might have to, you know, find more cash, might they? Yeah, exactly. I mean, as we said, the the uncertainty means that, like you said, next week could be a totally different statement. I mean, there's a lot to pick out of that. And I think the WRU deserve a bit of credit for being quite open on this um you know because clarity is needed at a time like this um particularly when we're talking about you know clubs potentially struggling and all the rest of it i think the key thing that i got from that that pretty lengthy statement was that they are preparing for this lockdown to be months and not weeks um i think initially there may have been a lot of hope out there that this would only be a short-term thing now i don't think that's going to be the case now based on what i've read in that statement um there's a quote in there saying there are more unknowns than knowns at the moment. Uh, that just goes to show that the uncertainty that they, they're trying to operate in. Um, but, you know, they, they're planning to make a significant financial loss now this year because of this. Um, you know, they think that's going to have a knock-on effect into next year as well uh, in terms of their financial performance. So, you know, that, that doesn't help. Um they're going to be approaching their banks, uh, Barclays and NatWest. I think the quote in the statement was to, to see what they can do or see how they can help. That may mean loans. I, I don't know what, what that means, but they, they're trying to get financial help there. They will be seeking help from the Welsh government as well, although they have pointed out that they um, they accept that the Welsh government have got bigger fish to fry at the moment, um, you know, in terms of looking out for the public health first and foremost. So they haven't approached the Welsh government yet, but they will get to that. Um, and they've also said that they're going to look into how they can perhaps use um, this £330 billion that has been pledged to, to businesses from the UK government. Now, I don't know if the WIU are going to be in a position to use any of that, but certainly I think if you're looking at the smaller businesses like the rugby clubs across Wales, Perhaps they can make use of that. I don't know. Um, unfortunately, that's not my area of expertise, but they are looking at how they can use that. So, you know, the WRU are doing a lot behind the scenes. Um, I think it's great that they put out this statement. Um, it does provide a bit of clarity when there isn't a lot out there. Um, but at the moment, everybody's hands are tied by the fact that we don't know how long this is going to go on for and we don't know how long clubs are going to be without games. Um, the longer it goes on for, the tougher it gets, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but that's where we are. Indeed, I suppose that's quite a nice place to, to finish up because I suppose the aim of this podcast was to sort of provide answers to, to sort of questions that, that can't really be answered. Um, on the podcast front, um, we should probably touch on, on what we're planning to do a little bit in, in the next sort of weeks and months because obviously there's no rugby for us to talk about. Um, so I guess we're looking for ideas it, it is more than anything aren't we I know we've got a few things sort of lined up some ideas we'd like to try sort of nostalgia things but as always if, if you have any ideas tweet us at Welsh Rugby Pod uh, leave a review on iTunes with any ideas or, or tweet myself and Matt and um, we'll, we'll take them on board 
Absolutely. Get in touch. You, if you want us to discuss something, we shall discuss it. So that's the name of the game. It's going to be a lot of nostalgia podcasts, I think, coming up shortly. <laughs> well, there we go. Um, that's it for today's podcast. Um, as always, thanks for listening. And you can catch all the latest news on Welsh rugby and the coronavirus on Wales Online. Thank you.